welcome to episode 63 of Slaytanic Vercast. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting live from Britain's premier barometer museum, somewhere near Scarborough, is Dr. Lee Quesson. Say do, Doc. I'm, I'm delighted to be where I am. Um, I'm fascinated by meteorological equipment. I know you are. Um, I'm fascinated by anything that has dials or needles and things that go backwards and forwards and, and things that measure things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I'm in this part of the world anyway is um, I want to go to the Bubble Car Museum in Lincolnshire. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Are the, the um, bubble cars, are these those little blue monstrosities from the 70s? Um, no, they're, they're from much earlier than that. Oh. Um they're from the immediate post-war period, mm-hmm. uh, mostly produced in former Axis countries. Um, and they were originally intended to provide very inexpensive personal transport using, where possible, tooling and materials left over from war work. Right. When you say Axis countries, you're talking, what, Germany, Italy? Yeah, um, yeah. those mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's a very famous one, uh, a very famous German one, um, I believe, made by Heinkel, um, which is, I mean, undisguisedly the uh, the cockpit se- the, the, the cockpit section from a light fighter aeroplane. Oh yeah, from like a Messerschmitt or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and um, some of them have, have have got like a they're they're called bubble cars because some of them are like almost like little round spheres with two wheels on the front and and, mm. and, and, and one wheel in the back. Mm. And they typically had like a 50 to 125cc motorcycle engine, sometimes in the back, sometimes like actually attached to the steering. Um, and they're tiny and they're adorable. Um, and as with many things, considering they were first invented to provide very, very cheap personal transportation for countries that were basically ruined after the end of World War Two. Um, they're now extremely expensive. Now, my understanding is you, you didn't actually need a driving license, did you, in order to uh, r- drive it on the road because, because no, of the no. lo- lo- the low capacity of the engine. Well, and I mean, you know, sort of in countries that were um, sort of struggling under Allied occup- uh, occupation, and there was there was quite enough work to be done sort of rounding up former Nazis and former fascists and um, trying to rebuild a fucking country. Mm. Um, I don't suppose many of the occupying powers were greatly concerned about administering driving licenses. Yeah. 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 And, uh, what, what drew you there, doc? What, you know, did anything specific besides the bubble car museum? What is it about barometers that you like so much? Doc? To the barometer museum, especially, um, they're another one of these things that, that, that they're a bit like Wimshurst machines or um, um, Van de Graaff generators or possibly even photographic enlargers that, whilst operating on a perfectly sound scientific principle, they appear to have almost magical properties. Now, I know that barometers can't actually help you. No, barometers can't predict the weather. Barometers are an important part of meteorology, but they can't actually predict the weather. But I'm fascinated that there is definitely an above random correlation between the measurements that these like little cardboard boxes with springs resting on them, or alternatively, these long glass tubes dipped in um, bowls of mercury, the measurements they give 
and what the weather is going to be in the next several hours or several days. Yeah. By no means a precise prediction, but there's definitely more than a random correlation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm fascinated in any process where undisputed science butts on to something that seems magical or alchemical. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously, photography is the most remarkable one, that if you prepare egg whites in a special way and dip some cloth in the egg whites um, and then put it in the back of a cardboard box with a hole pricked in the front and leave it for several hours um, and then cook the egg white, like cook, cook the cloth with, with, with the egg white soaked into it, you, you'll, you'll get an image of the thing that your apparatus has pointed at. And, 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 and the question that always begs in my mind is how on earth did anybody first figure this out? Well, it, it, it's a bit like um, it, it, it's a bit like making a cake. You know, how how on earth did the first person figure out that putting those ingredients together in that order and cooking them at that temperature would result in this thing? So, in that case, I assume that people knew that egg white turned brown when you overcooked it. Mm. Um, and maybe someone had the idea that um, it wasn't a property of heat, maybe it was a property of light that caused it to turn brown. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe that there are such things as as, as, as esoteric secrets. I, I, I don't believe that any of the stuff was actually handed to humans by demons um, mm. as part of a satanic ritual. But some of these things seem so odd. Um, like you just said, like baking and cooking. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, how many people had to get chronic stomach poisoning or die before it was well understood which berries tasted nice and which ones were poisonous? Sure. Or, or you know, which part of the puffer fish you can eat without kind of dying of toxic plasmosis or whatever. Yes. You know. Um, um, I mean, some of these discoveries looked at warm-bloodedly. Considering, especially considering when it was, I mean, the, the, this this business of being able to make photographic plates out of egg white and and, and, and cotton fabric, um, we now suspect it was being carried out um, in Renaissance or slightly pre-Renaissance Italy, um, and I mean, many people have. This is something else I'm not sure of. Many people have pointed to the invention of the the, the pinhole camera or the camera obscura. Um, as being key in the discovery of perspective in painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a successfully, cle- a, a, a sufficiently clever artist could have had the idea of painting in perspective without having to have a photograph to work from. And when people say stuff like that, it it doesn't piss me off as much, but it reminds me of those people who um, insist that aliens built the pyramids because... Mm-hmm they find it more believable that aliens did it than that Africans did it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, surely just painting in perspective, you just need a, like a, a, a live study in front of you with something a foot or two behind, you know, to give the, the fucking perspective. And sh- you don't need a photograph, do you? Um, no, but the peculiar thing is that nobody had thought of it before the yeah. Renaissance. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you look at uh, medieval, I mean, as as exquisite as, as exquisite as medieval art is, and as lifelike 
representations of, as, of people's faces that those people can make with very primitive pigments. Um, it didn't appear to occur to anyone to draw objects on the horizon, smaller mm -hmm. than objects in the foreground, mm -hmm. or to draw a road tapering off. It, it just didn't seem to have occurred to anyone to, to, to actually draw that. Yeah, strange, isn't it, Doc? And talking about objects, you know, objects in the in the rearview mirror may appear smaller than they are, Doc. We've we've lost Mr. Loaf. Dickinson fan it's impossible not to isn't it um I expect it is um I'm not going to uh do a, a your favorite people mate the uh the posthumous queen fans sure. um, I'm not gonna I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna be one of those and uh, yeah. claim that I was always into meatloaf and I, no. I, I I I never actually gave a flying one about meatloaf fair enough he's he's one of those people who is a, sort of a, a, a product of a a more Wagnerian age when mm -hmm. a Titanic personality and a Titanic voice could really make you a star. You're right, Doc. You're right. Now, today's episode, guys, listening, is going to be a bit unusual. As, as we did following uh, South of Heaven, today we, we, we did the Nocturnus the Key album as a bit of a palate cleanser before we got on to Seasons in the Abyss. And we're doing the same thing today. So think of this episode as like, um, what could it be, like, like a lime sorbet. Um, you know, just, 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 you know, just, just cleanse the palate before we move on to divine intervention. Now, here's a, here's the twist: the doc does not know what album we're going to be listening to tonight. Um, yeah, and I've diligent listeners will have noticed that I'm I, I'm terrible at guessing games. Every time <laughs> we try to play the who played that solo game. Um, yeah, we were talking earlier on. We were talking about like correlations that are not merely random. Um, my correlation of being, being able to guess the solos is, I, I think it must be 85 or 90% wrong. Oh, yeah, honestly, hopefully somebody at some point um, will, will, will do us like an Excel spreadsheet, give us <laughs> stats. <laughs> but before we get into that, we do have some chow time to get over and done with because they're starting to build up. So I figure we do this, Doc, and we'll drop everything else. What do you reckon? Yeah, definitely. Here we go. Then. So chow time, motherfuckers. Here we go. Um, we got talking... Can't imagine why, but we did. We got talking about Mongolian nose music. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bit confused between Mongolian throat singing and the Mongolian nose flute. Now, Doc, 
These are very different <laughs> things. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and a sample of both you will hear about now. Anything to say on that, though? Um, my sincerest apologies to all of the Mongolian people who routinely listen to this program and who I have just offended. I feel um, terrible. I will try harder yeah. with the intricacies of your culture in future. Yeah. Too right. And so you should. You'll, or you'll be fucking cancelled by me. Um, the doc told us all that he'd been listening to Cobalt Chapel last time out, or maybe the episode before, but then forgot to name an actual track or give an album recommendation. Now's your chance, sir. Um, <clears throat> that would mean me actually looking at the track list, wouldn't it? Go on, then. Um, do, oh, hang do, on. Fucking hell. Back in a second, mate. Go on, bud. <clears throat> I've got to go look at the track list now. <laughs> What a nightmare. I'm holding my MP3 player. Here we go. Now I've got to find out where I stored that Cobalt Chapel album. Um, the, the, the doc hasn't heard of Google, which probably would have been quicker. But, you know, doc's old school, and, we, and that's why we love him. Uh, I don't know. How to, I, right, just give me a second. First track on the album. Here we go. Um, which is as good a place to start as any. Uh, it's called Ava Gardner. Doc, I made a mistake um, last time out as well. I got my Guns N' Roses album dates wrong. Can you believe it? Um, so here, I think we were trying to decide who was the, the, the biggest band in the world at the time of Seasons in the Abyss, weren't we? The uh, biggest yeah. band. Um, and, and we postulated GNR were number one. Faith No More, I think we decided we're probably number two. Um, here we go. Appetite for Destruction came out in 1987. Um Lies came out in 1988, even though it sounds like a much older album, but that was all to do with contractual bullshit. Um, User Illusion 1 and 2 was 1991, and then The Spaghetti Incident was 1993. They did release an album in 2008 called Chinese Democracy, but I think the less said about that, the better. Um, minor correction, but it will 
aggrieved some, so it's probably worth a mention. Blood Sugar Sex Magic was the Chili Peppers' fifth album, not their sixth, as we claimed. Shoot us now, guys. We deserve it. Good God. Um, the PS Vita doc, you, you'd never heard of it, and, and, and you asked me when it was released. I wasn't quite sure. Um, it was released in Japan in December 2011, and the rest of the world in February 2012. And for clarity, sales figures, approximations, sit at around 15 to 16 million units. Compare this to... The PS5, the current iteration of the home console, which in its first year alone sold 15 million units. The PS Vita was a massive, massive flop. Shame on you, world. It is a brilliant little device. Um, I Saved the World Today by the Eurythmics was released in 1999, not in 1994, as I claimed. What was I talking about? Um, the documentary maker who produced, among many other things, The Power of Nightmares was, of course, Adam Curtis. Are you familiar with him, Doc? No, no, no. I recommend anyone listening, I recommend go and check out The Power of Nightmares. Doc, I'll make the same recommendation to you. Um, hmm. We weren't sure if Muhammad Ali went to prison for refusing the draft. To the Vietnam War. So here's the skinny. Let me find the let me find the particular section um, on the Wikipedia article. Um, Ali registered for conscription uh, on his 60, on his 18th birthday and was listed as 1A in 1962. In 1964, he was reclassified as 1 1Y, which meant fit for service only in times of national emergency after he failed the US Armed Forces qualifying test because his writing and spelling skills were substandard due to dyslexia. Uh, by early 1966, the army lowered its standards, um, so therefore he would have been eligible. Um, when notified of his status, Muhammad Ali was particularly unhappy. Um, there was a trial and the jury found Ali guilty after only 25 minutes of deliberation of the criminal offence of violating the selective service laws by refusing to be drafted. After a court of appeals upheld the conviction, the case was reviewed by the US Supreme Court. Ali remained free in the years between the appellate court decision and the Supreme Court ruling. And as public opinion began turning people against the war, the civil rights movement continued to gather momentum. At Howard University, for example, he gave his popular Black is Best speech to 4,000 cheering students. Um, and then finally, on June the 28th, 1971, the Supreme Court of the United States in Clay versus United States overturned Alice's conviction by unanimous eight to zero verdict. So it seems to me that he was kind of in jeopardy of going to prison, but by virtue of popularity and the just you know, just coincidence of time, he kind of got away with it, Doc. Um, I think some might some some people might be uh, drawn to say that um, that you know, sort of uh, fame has privilege as well, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, that, 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 it, it has that whiff, doesn't it? Certainly. Um, the doc claims um, the follow-up album. Oh, go on, doc. Something to say. No, I, I was just going to say that uh, um, I should point out that the armed forces are notably reluctant to take people of note 
um, for for two good reasons. Um, point number one, they tend to be a destabilizing influence in the units they serve in. And point number two, there's a consideration that borders on superstition. Um, and armed forces, ironically enough, take superstition very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, having someone of note in your unit will make the unit a target. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Um, I imagine the uh, the VC who managed to uh, kill Muhammad Ali would be sort of um, somewhat of a decorated hero on his own side. Well, absolutely. You know, if I, if, if I were a soldier, I would not want to be, you know, serving in the same fucking regiment on the front line as, you know, Prince Harry, for example. Not a fucking chance, um, you know, for, for, for the reasons you cite there, Doc. Um <laughs> The doc claimed that the follow-up album to the Embalmer EP, there was blood everywhere, <laughs> called The Necrofiling Cabinet. Um, it wasn't quite right. Uh, that's actually the second track on that very same EP doc. Um, so your memory was right that they had a track called that, but it was not the, the, the it was not the follow-up really. What a brilliant I was convinced. I was convinced that was a, a, a release in its own right. It is not, unfortunately. Hang on. Let, let, let me just do. Let, let's just have a quick scan. What their follow-up was called? I think it's called something like. Um, it, it's called something like Tombs. I think. Hang on. Let's have a. Let's have a look. Embalmer. Oh look! It, it auto fills. Doc. I've looked. I've searched for them before. It auto. <laughs> Um, <laughs> since we're talking about great album titles with with, with gore in them, um, yeah. I need to draw you, because it's a band we've mentioned before and you found that name hilarious, I need to draw your attention to the title of the second album by The Dwarves, <laughs> because it's called Blood, Guts and Pussy, and I think that's one of the best album titles right. ever. It's strange, isn't it? You know, because you know, obviously very vulgar, and you know, you, you you know, you could kind of throw misogyny accusations at it, but it, but but I like that title in in a way that I really really did not like the title to that type fucking typo negative album. What, what was that called? Slow, heavy, and hard, or some shit like that. Slow, hard, and deep. I think. Oh god, um, you bastards! I, I mean, yeah. The thing is, the members of Dwarves are known to be fairly degenerate characters. Yeah. Um, but they're also unapologetic about being filthy and raucous. Right. And besides, how, how, can their, how can their album title be misogynistic? It's called Blood, Guts and Pussy, not Blood, Guts and Cunt. Sure. Um, <laughs> Doc, the follow-up to Obama's There Was Blood Everywhere is called 13 Faces of Death. There we go. There we go, mate. 
Not a sign of a necrophile in cabinet, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and final one for today. It's the world's lost, that's all I can say. <laughs> I agree with you, actually. Um, the doc thought that a track called The Needle and the Damage Done was by Eric Clapton. It wasn't. Do you know it's by doc? But it's it's one of those fuckers. It's Tom fucking Petty or Neil fucking Young or just <laughs> it's Neil fucking Young. You got it, Doc. Neil fucking Young. There we but, go. So, there we go. We, we we've we've cleared up all of our past mistakes. Ooh, how do you feel after that, Doc? Purged. Purged. Good. I'm glad. No topic to die no, yet. I feel as purged as if the dwarves, as a collective unit. Um, had force-fed me laxatives and given me a forced enema. There we go. Um, and then hung me up. Ex- uh, and, and then hung me upside down. That, that's, that's how purged I feel. That's pretty, pretty damn purged. I would argue. Um, no topic today, guys. Um, we're just going to crack on. Basically, don't forget you can contact us if you want uh, on Twitter at Vercast or on email at stateanitvercast at gmail Let's get into the show. Welcome to part two of the show. A bit different this week, guys, as, as we've already explained. We're not listening to an individual Slayer track. We're not even listening to Slayer covers. We're not even going to be banging on about our unnecessarily self-important opinions about the album we've just done over the last 10 weeks. <laughs> Instead, what, what are we doing, Doc? We're listening to a mystery album selected by the great, the magisterial, Mo from France. That's right. I'm talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> now, the doc has no idea what album this is, what band this is, um, even what genre this is going to be. We're going to play the album in its entirety and just stop it every minute or two to have a bit of a chat about it, just so we don't break those pesky copyright laws. Um, and I'm going to give I'm going to give the doc. I reckon the first, the, the, the whole of the first track to try and figure out what album this is. If he hasn't done it by then, I'll announce officially what the album is. But, but I think you'll get it by then anyway, Doc. Are we ready? Of course we are. Here we go. Any thoughts? What are you expecting to happen? Any inkling of the band? I'm going to take a guess from the chord progression that it's Iron Maiden. It's not Iron Maiden. Um, No, then. I've got no idea. Mm -hmm. I've literally got no idea what's going to happen next. Literally, There we go. Yeah, here we go. Let's find out. (laughs) 
pissed himself laughing. So I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely pissing himself laughing. <laughs> you enjoying that one, Doc? <laughs> it rocks. It rocks, man. It rocks. It rocks. It rocks. It rocks, man. <laughs> The doc is absolutely beside himself. <laughs> that's been years of my life. That's been fucking years. I mean, that's that's going back to. Oh my god, that's going back to the magisterial cheese of uh, like that second cradle of filth album. That is. <laughs> oh god, I haven't so, I, I haven't heard such a joyful, unabashed, vampiric howl at yeah. the start of the track. <laughs> For years and years, that's just something fucking wonderful. Glorious, I've no, absolutely glorious, Doc. I've yeah. got no idea what it is, but it, it, it's it's cool ass. Please carry on. <laughs> Some ideas, Doc. Um, would it be German? He's German. He is German. <laughs> would it be the creator? It is creator, man. Yeah, you got it. So you there got you go. You got the band. That's that. that they're the, the, the mighty vocal pipes of one minute <laughs> throws a, um Absolutely. Here's the thing. Considering that ignorant people say that all metal sounds the same, yeah, and Apart from the four or five standouts, who were a terrible confession, here's something that I actually have some sympathy with. All second-tier thrash kind of sounds the same. Yeah, yeah. Creator always sounds unique. You can always yeah. tell creator. Oh, not half, mate. Not half. Yeah. They stand alone. Um, and any inkling? Of, so now, Doc, I recommend go to uh, Encyclopedia Metallum. On your um, on your digital device of choice, um, and, and and let's try and let's, let's try and put a pin in the album. And here we go. Let's progress a bit further in the track. <laughs> Yeah. 
stuff. Aha. Um, I picked out a lyric. Yeah. Um, and I did a very cunning Google search on the lyric I picked out. And the first result it returned me, was When the Sun Burns Red. Correct. Um, which I believe is from, um, it's from the album, which, um, and I, I, I believe you used to have the cover. Did you not have the cover of this painted on the back of your leather jacket at one point? I certainly did, sir. Yes, I, yeah. owned, I, I owned a leather jacket with this this cover emblazoned on the back of it. Yeah, you're right. Um, is, it, is it Pleasure to Kill? No, this is Coma of Soul. Yeah, of course it is. Is the album. There you go. Yeah. Now, here's, here's the interesting, uh, the reason I've kind of picked this album is 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 temp is temp temporal really uh this album well seasons in the abyss was released on october the 9th 1990 and this album came out on november the 6th 1990 what huh. a time to be alive doc definitely what a time to be alive um but what a terrible decision i mean like what what, what a heartbreaking choice which album cover do you get painted on the back of your leather jacket <laughs> well, that, i mean that's a good point but but i tell you what to put to bed ideas in my head that like the creator were always kind of on the coattails of slayer hmm. you know like, like slayer would release an album and then creator would respond to that album this totally puts that to bed because there's no way that they had any any time for that to be true well, I, I I always think of them the same way as I think of the Boeing seven hundred and seven, and the Vickers VC ten, um, mm -hmm. and the Triple F ninety five. So they were approximately equivalent. There were three approximate equivalents in three different territories. And yep. Slayer with the North American band, Sepultura with the South American band, and Creator with the European. And I, I I think in their own territories, and I think evened out across the world. Um, I think they're of equal standing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right, Doc. I think you're probably right. Let's press on. <laughs> Pentatonic, aren't they, than Slayer? They're, they're much more kind of orthodox, kind of made and inflected, where Slayers are absolutely fucking bonkers. Um, I would go on to say Slayer solos are from a North American blues tradition and creator solos are from a European classical tradition. Brilliant, Doc. Brilliant info. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. 
So there we go. That's track one from Coma of Souls, When the Sun Burns Red. First thoughts, Doc. Have you heard this album before? I feel as though I must have done. I mean, must I, have I, done. Surely I've been around you often enough. And I, I've, I've been around enough people who absolutely adore Creator. Yeah, surely. Surely. There's a chord progression in that track, and it was without doubt, well, it was used also in a song that came, I'm convinced it was after this, by the end of the album, um, I will have pinned down which song it is, but it, it, it's from a wildly different genre to Creator. Mm-hmm. But was, and it would be really, really funny if it turned out that they'd actually knocked off Creator. I will get it by the end of the episode. Keep it in mind, Doc. Let's move on to track two, because obviously, you know, we've got ten tracks to get through. Pull up the lyrics if you can, Doc. Shall I tell you what it is? Shall I tell you what it is? Go on. It's Basket Case by Green Day. Do you have the time to listen to me whine About nothing and everything all at once I am one of those melodramatic fools Neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it Sometimes I give myself the creeps Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me It all keeps adding up I think I'm cracking up And am I just paranoid? Am I just stop? I went to a shrink To analyze my dreams She says it's like a sex that's bringing me Remind me of the of the melody for that one, please, sir. It's uh, do you have the time oh, yeah, to yeah. listen to me? It's yeah. the Green Day track that everyone knows, but uh, yeah. right at the end, it's it's got that dun 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 dun. Now I don't know if you remember. Um, we once made a terrible mistake. Um, as, as 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 a performing musical group, we once got tricked into going on after, or if you like, we got fluttered into headlining above a band called Fast, which was a terrible, terrible thing to do because yeah, well, they're one they, of those they, bands. They just, they, they just wiped the fucking floor with us, didn't they? They wiped the fucking floor with anybody. I, yeah. I mean, you, you just would not want to go on after them ever. Yeah. Um, I mean... A, Candidate for the best live band I've ever seen ever. I remember the um, one of the reasons I remember that gig is because um, I broke a string and I didn't have a spare guitar. And the guy from Farce just brilliantly just yeah you know take my guitar and he didn't even give a fuck that that, that I had to retune it, man. I just, I just thought yeah credit to you, sir. Congratulations. I mean, there were those such affable, amiable people that I mean yeah. that they seem like. Gen- well, genuinely excited to be doing what they were doing, and I, I really want to earnestly tell them, um, you people are probably the best live band I've ever seen, and yeah. not that we don't know that the world is an unjust place, but if the world was a just place, 
um, you would be like in amongst the five biggest bands in the world within one year. Uh-huh. I, I think we were very effusive of our praise when we went on after them, if I remember, Doc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in any case, they had a song which um, the, the main riff was an Iron Maiden guitar part followed by a Green Day guitar part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 um, and that, that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. For you. Yeah, Doc. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. It's track two. It's the title track, Coma of Souls. Here we go. album so much this is just thrash ramped up and delivered with such precision and yet the peculiar thing is uh, i agree with you this is like should be the encyclopedia definition of thrash um but nobody else quite sounds like this do i I mean the the only people i can ever think of that sound close is anthrax yeah i mean there are like the uh latter day Kind of, you know, like retro thrash revisionists, like Avenger, Avenger of Blood would be the one, because they just sound like Creator, you know. But, <laughs> but, but you know, but obviously that's like Omar mixed with plagiarism. Um, yeah, you know, you, you, you takes your choice which, which way you want to turn there. Um, but yeah, but in terms of like their contemporaries, when I mean, Anthrax is interesting, and I do see what you're saying um, because you know that they, they, they do favour. Almost, you know, kind of favour um, rhythm over melody, I suppose. And um, they're they play much more in the treble register. Yeah. Um, they're the production is much more mid range. Um, yeah. That they're, they're both bands that, um, if you like, Metallica go for heavy, Slayer go for fast and aggressive aggression by means of being fast. And these people just go for aggression by any means necessary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe one could call it 
Blitzkrieg. Let's call it Thrashkrieg. <laughs> Let's call it Thrashkrieg. Dog. Thrash That's Krieg. what I'm going to go with. do that um just that kind of just brutal tempo chain down into like a deep slower chug absolutely love it. sepultura do it brilliantly in uh, beneath the remains towards the end of that track it's ripping along like blisteringly fast and then suddenly the whole thing just grinds sort of duh, 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 you know just a unexpected tempo change into just this nasty fucking heavy chug Great. We left our remains in blood, but back from my suit. New wrong today of life and death. Now life is in the end. Privilege upon the final war. Standing blades for everything, everything so real. Who, who, who has won? Who, who has died? So, obviously, we, I don't know if you, 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 you remember this or whether this is your opinion as well. We've been listening to a bit of Slayer recently. We have, Doc. Yeah, we do that from time to time. Yeah. And we, we've, we've been sort of discussing it a bit. As, we, we, haven't, we haven't just been listening to the albums and then going, yeah. like, what do you think of that? And yeah, that was all right. That was I enjoyed all right. We've been talking about it a bit. Um, <laughs> And this is a really interesting opportunity for me to get to grips with, in the middle of the Slayer project, to get to grips with kind of some peers and contemporaries um, who released an album at nearly the exact same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
there we go. That's track two, Coma of Souls. So track one was obviously an environmental trapped when the sun burns red. Coma of Souls here, looking at the lyrics, this is all to do with kind of the uh, futility of war. Um, Doc, so very, very, very left-leaning politically. Um, I wonder what we're going to get next. Track three, Doc. People of the Lie. <laughs> What a fucking riff that is to play on the guitar. Certainly is. Oh. Uh, you mean to play? Oh well, to, I mean to listen to, you know, and 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 to play as well. It is just riff tastic fucking heaven. Yes, man, play that in front. Play that in front of ten thousand people, man. If you had to pick a band, um, and regardless of whether or not you like the band, yeah, um, regardless of whether or not you like any of their songs. If you had to pick a band who consistently wrote the riffs that are the most fun to play by yourself, what would it be? Um, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, I mean, creator would be there. It's so tough, though, isn't it? Because, of course, you're influenced by your preference for the band as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, creator, certainly. Um, Slayer, yes. Maiden, yes. In Flames. Yes, it, it, it's an impossible question to answer, Doc. Press on. Don't look at me as if I didn't know Your vanity is all you ever show Won't you believe and act Doc, you are to me a waste of flesh and blood. I'd love to see you buried in the mud. I mean, is that, is that just like a clumsy rhyme or is that a specific reference to something like burying somebody in mud? Because obviously the track is about kind of the eva like the evangelists and stuff like that, like, like religious fanatics. I mean, there's... um, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it here. Um. I just think it's creative being German and speaking English as a second language. Yeah, that, that, that's my assumption. Um, yeah. I mean, at an absolute push, I suppose you could say that, um, according to the early passages of Genesis, then uh, human beings are supposed to have been made from mud. Mm. This is the, uh, we're, 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 like in Judaism, you, you get the idea of the golem, isn't it? Yeah, um, but uh, I, I think even that comes from like the very, very early parts of um, of Genesis, which um, sort of fairly explicitly says that um, Adam was sculpted out of mud and then um, and then animated. Um, I think um, there are Greek myths that are even older than that that um, Zeus made the first human beings out of mud as well. Well, okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's a stretch, I suppose. 
probably just a clumsy rhyme in it, but but not yeah. nice to think that maybe Millie had his finger on the old dogmatic pulse. heaviness of the guitar i mean this is proper like fucking stadium rock in it man this bit oh yeah it's definitely the most um sort of bluesy solo if i slash would play that solo wouldn't he who, who slash slash yeah oh yeah certainly no doubt about it yeah but and it, but even that like that that you know the, like the pause and, and and the ridiculous fill on the drums you know <laughs> it, it, it's all very kind of eddie van halen i'm feeling yeah definitely um it's it's a lot less tight and a lot less dense um, than it was. For a second there in the solo section, I thought we were going to get... Um, I shouldn't laugh, really. You know the one I'm talking about. The Sepultura track, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Territory, and uh, it's just got the most ridiculous solo in it. Are you, yeah, um, that's the solo that sounds like, like a Commodore 64 loading a computer game. Just yeah, absolutely. The track. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Or, uh, uh, the, the the sound of an old-fashioned modem connecting That's to it. the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've got no fucking idea how that man plays that solo. It's insane. Um, with two tremolo pedals, I suspect. Oh, there we go, Doc. Don't don't shatter my dreams, Doc. <laughs>
So there we go, guys. That's track three, People of the Line. How are you feeling, Doc? Three, three tracks into this album. Ten, ten tracks. I'm really enjoying myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Really enjoying myself. Yeah. Um, I don't think you could... What's the difference between a band that's merely very good and a truly great life-changing band? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can understand why people live their lives by Slayer. And I, I suspect you're going to disagree with me a bit here. Okay. I can understand why people live their lives by the law of Slayer. Um, I mean, we've spent already a stupid amount of time talking about the lyrics from the first five Slayer albums and some other releases. Um, I get the idea that Creator would have less to offer if you decided to try and go as deeply as you could into um, into their lyrics. But... I have a. I think you've you've said at least once. You might have whispered guardedly that um, creator a, a, a candidate for your favourite band. Am I right? Uh, well, favourite band. I'm not sure. Maybe favourite thrash band. I think their consistency is greater than Slayer's. Yeah. But Slayer always have the upper hand in my heart. Um, you know, my, my top three bands are Slayer, Maiden, In Flames. And that's just in stone. Um, but, you know, by actual kind of logical brain, you know, if I, if I analyse the output of Creator and Slayer, Creator are definitely more consistent. Um, so this, this is, we're, we're not really answering, a, I think it's an insoluble question. Uh, I started off by saying, what's the difference between a band that you know is really good and an actual, actually great band? I'm as guilty of this as anybody. There are so many bands that are my favourite band ever. And actually, out of the three or five, four or five or six or seven albums they've made, I only actually really like two of them. Yeah. But, but you know, Slayer, it's it, a funny, because doing this project has kind of forced me to reevaluate because it, I, I, I really, really enjoyed the first album, which I did not expect to do. Hello Waits, disappointed a little bit. You know, Raining Blood, obviously fantastic. South of Heaven, a bit, a bit of a kind of a mixed bag. Seasons in the Abyss, just untouchable. Um, and, so, and so now we're going into the next phase. My my anticipation is that I'm going to love the next album. I'm going to hate the the, the, the following two, and then and then the last three albums of like the final phase of Slayer, I'm going to find to be really kind of really mixed, really varied. I'm going to love some of it, hate some of it, but. You know, we've, we, both of us have already learned that our expectations change by doing the project the way that we're doing it. So who knows, Doctor? Definitely. Who knows? Um, track four, <clears throat> World Beyond. It's the shortest track on the album. It's only two minutes long. I really need a wee and I want to grab a beer. So I'm going to play it in its entirety, Doc, if that's all right. Of course. Here we go. <laughs>
just a heads down thrashathon, isn't it? It's, it's their spirit in black, isn't it, basically? Definitely. Um, I'm whilst not saying it, it, it's a ripoff, because clearly given the dates, it isn't. There's, there's some convergence here. Um, there's a, a little sort of, there's a bit of a riff in there that's the same as a bit of a riff on a Slayer track. Um, I want to say it's similar to Read Between the Lies. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, um, in which case, it could be a rip-off because, that, you know, that, that, that's from South of Heaven two years previous. Yeah. Um, I just think when you're kind of operating in the same space, sooner or later, there's going to be convergence, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's always going to be overlap. Um, you're going to occasionally drop a riff that's a bit similar. It's, it, yeah, that, that, shit, that shit just happens, doesn't it? I once went um, to my kind of kind of co-songwriting partner in a band, you know, the, the, the other guitarist, played him a, played him a riff, <laughs> which I loved. I thought, fuck me, I've got it with a cracker here. Um, I absolutely fucking loved it. And he said, well, we can't play that because that's Iron Maiden, you twat. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it just happens. It just happens. It's not, it's not copying. It's not plagiarism. It's just, you know, creative minds at work, I think, Doc. Here we go. Do you want track five? I think it's also because you are actually as much of a genius composer as Adrian Smith. Well, I mean, I didn't want to say it, Doc, but of course that's obviously true. (laughs) Um, Track five, Doc. Um, I would say my favourite creator song ever, ever, ever. Here we go. Terrazone. We're off.
proggy, isn't it, this track? I think it, it's, it's all over the place, Doc. Um, it's got all kinds of interesting things going on. I don't think I've ever heard another thrash track that does what that did in the middle section of the yeah. bit that you just played me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got a, a riff, which is in a funny time signature to begin with. And it's got a, not solo, it's got a lead part, which is in a funny time signature in its own right, which is different to the funny time signature that the main riff uh-huh. is in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever heard. Uh, I mean, I expect there's some thrash band that does something like that. Um, or an, but, uh, an atheist, those kind of guys. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's so very, very far from being my thing that... Mm. Um, I like the expression, but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that 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 would never be anything you'd sort of um, catch me listening to, really. I'd, I'll have to throw you some coroner in your general direction, Doc. I think there's some coroner, some coroner shit that you'd really, really dig. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I think so, Doc. I think so, but maybe that's maybe that's a mystery album of the future. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Humongous in a thrash track, do you look? Oh, no. Um, had uh, Mad Max 2 come out at this point? Well, certainly. Mad Max 2 is like, what, 84, 85, something like that? I'm not, let me look. I, I'm not convinced it is. Because um, obviously, that, that, that's, that's a film uh, well known for its, uh, its main villain, the Lord Humongous. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, and, 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 um, and his very good friend, Toe Cutter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that must be mid 80s. Mad Max 3 was beyond Thunderdome. And that was Tina Turner when she was in her pomp. And that was late 80s, wasn't it, Doc? That's right. Oh, my God. 1981. Shit. What? Mad Max 2 was 1981? Yes. Get the fuck out of here. Is that right? Yeah. Apparently. Jesus Christ. What's going on um, with the world? Uh, so, when was the first one, then? 79. 79? Oh, my goodness gracious me. Shit. Shit on me, Doc. Shit all over my face. That's all I'm saying to you. Well. Um, okay, so, but I just thought if that had come out, like, remotely recently, maybe that's where the name... That, that they, they've been fascinated by the name The Lord Humongous, and that's where they got it from. <laughs> Although maybe it just arrived in the local 
video cabin in the village, man. You never know. Now, I'm going to pause it here, Doc. There's two minutes left of this track. I'm playing it in its entirety. I think this is the single best moment in any thrash track that's ever been written. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. single favourite ending to a thrash track that I've ever heard. Um, it, 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 it has such impetus. It, it barrels forward. There's melody. There's aggression. Millie's voice is fucking brilliant in that section. How it kind of interweaves it through th- through that melody. And, 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 and just look, the lyrical concept as well, you know, this kind of terror zone, this horror horrifying place that you go to a bit like um i don't know like uh, event horizon basically yeah um I, maybe it's because I, I always have expectations of things like this when people use words but specifically when people use words like zone and sector <laughs> um, <laughs> i droid um, sector yeah um <laughs> i always sort of imagine it's um in some sort of cyberpunk future dystopian film, um, and it's like the um, the place either like on the edge, it's either some sort of gladiatorial arena on 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 the edge of town where um, 
poor people are forced to fight each other for marginal amounts of food for the entertainment of the wealthy people who live in the tower blocks. Um, or it's the sort of mutant infested nuclear wastelands that surround the city. Mm, mm. But it, it's, it's a great track. It's a really great, um, there's so many influences on it. And then also in its own way, you can see how it went on to be so influential itself. There is almost no Northern European metal ever that doesn't draw a little something from that some part of that track, is there? Sure. No, you're right, Doc. You're right. I mean, Creator are the uh, they're the masters, aren't they? Basically, they are the the pioneers. You know, the the ones to which the rest of Europe looks to. Um, I think you're quite right. And, and I love that. that's the end of that, that's the end of side one, basically. That, that, so that's the track they close side one with. Um, and and like, lyrically, we've had quite an interesting ride, haven't we? Because, you know, track one, an environmental treaties, basically. Track two, um, all of like, like, commercialism and, 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 and capitalism, the horrors of that. Um, track three, I would say um, that that's um, like a, a, a railing against evangelism. Then track four, you go full on horror. Um, and, and and enter the world of hell, and then track five. Track five, we go into this kind of, again, kind of hellish, but 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 in 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 kind of a, a sci-fi context. Is would would you be willing to go along with me? In some way, this is a um, a concept album about different conceptions of the apocalypse, different well, ways that the world can end. Well, I mean, thus far, certainly, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's just different horrors, isn't it? You know. Different aspects of the horrors of 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 modern life. We're on to side two now, Doc, um, and this is track six, which is called "Agents of Brutality." Here we go.
you think that that um, description there, kidnapped, tortured, skinned alive, uh, that must be referring to a specific thing, hadn't it? But I, I just don't know what it is. I don't. Yeah. Um, it, it, but that's just too specific. That's skinned alive. That's too specific, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't get much more specific than talking about someone being skinned. I mean, you, 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 you don't hear about many flayings in modern you popular culture, do you? You know, minutely planned professional crime assassination at night. Like there's another kind, crime assassination at night. <laughs> Cold-blooded killers on a midnight hunt for a girl who cannot fight. Kidnapped, tortured, skinned alive. I think they're talking about a, like a legitimate case here, but I just don't know what it is. No, I haven't got a clue. No, I haven't got it, Doc. Millie's read a, a Jean Le Carré novel and, and, and has written a song about it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, or possibly a Frederick Forsyth novel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm that kind. If there had been a case of someone being kidnapped, kidnapped <laughs> um, long ago, um, I was discussing the, I was discussing the title, the, the. It, Interesting titles that of, of, of Japanese music, uh, Japanese movies, um, with an acquaintance of mine, and one that came up in the subject of uh, the conversation. And the title of the movie: um, "I've been abducted, raped, uh, beaten, raped, and abused." To which my acquaintance said, "Well, someone just wasn't doing their job, were they?" Kidnapped, tortured, and skinned. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the whole tortured part is subsumed by the whole skinned alive part. That's right. Part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
go. That's track six. Um, Agents of Brutality. Is that a side opener for you, Doc? What do you think about that one? Um, it's a really good track. Once again, yeah. I, I really like the solo section at the end. Um, yeah. I, I'm absolutely at a loss as to what it might be referring to. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they're just, they've made up a story base. I, I think it's just like a, a, a fictional narrative. Yeah. Um, unless there's something that exists only in uh, German popular culture. Sure. Yeah, it's possible, isn't it? Yeah. It, 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 you know, those Germans, they're capable of anything, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I don't really have a, a great deal to say. It's another really good track. Yeah, but as an album, as a side to opener, what do we think? It's not like special. It's not super strong, is it? You know? No. Um, here's the thing. Um, Germans or people from Western Europe are earlier adopters of new technology than people, I think, in the UK or the US are. Um, was... CD already the de facto medium of distribution? Oh, I mean, it's a good question. I, I remember my first friend who had a CD player would have been, that would have been 1990. Um, and that seemed super kind of, super posh and super kind of forward thinking at the time. Would the Germans have been there before us? Probably, Doc, Probably. I mean, I was I was last in West Germany in 1988, and nobody nobody I visited, nobody I knew had a CD player. Yeah. What I'm actually going to do is stick my neck out here and say, because Germans tend to buy good stuff, I think a lot of people would have had a very nice stereo, or a much nicer stereo than we were used to. This was certainly the evidence that I saw for myself, with a much nicer record player, and I... I, I I'm actually revising my opinion. I'm thinking to myself that people would have been much like, much more likely to hang on to their record players because mm-hmm. most people had really, seemed to have really nice ones. So I was toying with the idea that, um, like, maybe this album was never structured to have a side one, side two. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, why there's something not so special um, at the beginning of side two? But um, course, the counter argument to that is the the the, the end point of tr- of side one is an absolute fucking sensation. Yeah. Um, let's carry on, see if this, and, and see if this makes any more sense. Let's go, Doc. Track seven, Material World, Paranoia. I wonder what this is about, Doc. Here we go, let's find out. <laughs> Not a fan of the uh, wah wah pedal doc. Um, in, in anything at all. Well, oh, I understand its place in kind of seventies. I don't know, like Dirty Harry movies. Oh, no, like 
I can tolerate it. Yeah. You know, um, but in general, a bit like the saxophone, I wish it, was, I wish it didn't exist. Um, you see, as you know, I never met an effects pedal that I didn't like. I know, I know, Doc, I know. Um, the, the, the only thing I sort of regret about having a wah-wah pedal in, in, in my pedal rack is that I, I couldn't have two of them. Yeah. Um, then again, you know, when we played in the band and, and, and you would um, deploy it, it, you know, it was massively, massively distorted detuned bass. I could fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> I could take yeah. that knock. You know, but, um, but just a war war, like a, a naked war war. No, I don't like it. Um, I, it's one of those things that 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 can be horribly abused. Um, a, it goes along with. A, I think possibly your, your, your prejudice against it. It goes along with a lot of very bland white boy funk. Well, funk, but also, you know, that kind of, you know, like Eric Clapton kind of AOR shit. Um, and I think most of those people use it because they're still, they're still, and they still are, they're still copying Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, you're right, Doc. Yeah, yeah. Just not a fan. I did. Not a fan, Doc. Can't do anything about it. There you go. Oh, Doc. Do you want to speak? No, no, no. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry, my friend. Here we go. I was just smiling about Wawa pedals. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just glow. The afterglow of the thought of Wawa's. It's lovely.
know, these bands that are writing English in their second language, do the record companies kind of give them assistance, do you think? These lyrics are so good in terms of like the rhyming scheme and the meter and the way it all fits with the music. And this is in his second language. I, I think I can, speak, I... I can speak a bit of French, Doc. You can speak a bit of Japanese. There is no fucking way I could I could do this in French. And I lived there for, for six or seven years, you know? Um, <laughs> um here's a funny story, actually. It, it's talking about being in Germany again, it, it's very, very hard to actually force yourself to try and speak German because people want to speak English to you all the time. Well, same, it, thing, it, same thing in France, Doc. Yeah, same um, It's actually very, very easy to become very, very lazy. Um, yeah. I think almost a cliche among, in, 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 in the Anglophone world um, that almost all foreigners or almost all Western Europeans seem to speak English almost better than you do, and it can be really alarming. Mm. Um, on the other, and I think that's enthusiasts who are, are, are sort of motivated by an interest in communication. As far as getting help from their record company, I've spoken to senior company executives from not necessarily German, but from other large corporations in Western Europe and people who are obliged or forced to learn English as a means of doing business are generally fucking terrible at it. Really? Um, uh -huh. I would suspect that if creator studied and learned English privately as the international language of heavy metal and as amateur enthusiasts, they would be they would speak English much, much better than the suits in their record company. You know, there's two lines here. Power's illusion brings global confusion, a foregone conclusion of mind's evolution. I mean, that, that is super smart, isn't it? Um, it is, but it's also incredibly naive. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I think it's evidence of someone who studied English as a foreign language, as opposed to someone who's ever studied English literature. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's uh, soon croon, moon, June stuff, isn't it? Of course, I, mean, I get that. I, I, I get that it's obvious rhymes, but, 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 but it, it, it works in context. And it's dropping in like a fixed expression, a foregone conclusion. That is not an obvious thing to think. Um, I, I'm saying this not because I want to bash creators' skills in English, which are obviously much better than mine in German. Uh -huh. um, but to me, it reads like um, people who have studied English as enthusiastic amateurs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that anyone who'd ever studied English literature um, at actual school in an actual English-speaking country, um, I don't think they'd be that naive about, for instance, that rhyme scheme you just went through. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's it, super complicated. It is rote. It is rote. I, I, I totally understand that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still throwing that... that, that you know, that rejoinder in, it's second language, man. It, 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 it's smart. Well, I'm saying what I'm saying because I want to compliment them for doing it themselves. Yeah, sure. Um, if 
I'm going to stick my neck out here. I think I could tell if they'd had any help or support from anyone who studied English literature as opposed to English language. Sure. Um, who spoke English natively. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is going to sound... This is going to sound like I'm having a bash at the members of Crater, and I'm really not. Um, it's too naive, and it's too it it's too bad as poetry mm. to have had any input from someone who'd ever studied poetry. Yeah, but like like a native speaking poetry student, effectively. Well, um, and anyone who'd ever studied English literature as a subject. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the input of someone who studied English language or yeah. ESL. Yeah, yeah. I I get it, Doc. I get it. Here um, we go. There's something in this I want to uh, I want to mention. Can you remind me of the title of that track, please? It's got uh, uh, Material World Paranoia. Material World. You know that was what, what that's a reference to, don't you? Uh, was it Madonna? I presume. No, no, no. Um, it's something I haven't had a chance to talk about when we've been discussing. Um, oh, hang on, hang on, Doc. It's not Gnostic dualism, is it? It is Gnostic dualism. Oh, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought when we were talking about Slayer, we wouldn't get a mention of Gnostic dualism. Yeah, go um, on. I saw my chance and I had to bring it up. There you go. Go on, Doc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all. Here we Enough go. Gnostic dualism for today. That's all right. As above, so below. Two minutes ago. <laughs> There's a fucking change for you. Check that out. I'm going to rewind that a little bit. Here we go. is quite a weak song for this album personally doc 
Um, I don't wish to be contrarian here, but I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, good for you, man. Good. You know, I'm always pleased when people find, you know, pleasure in things that that, 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 that bore me a little bit. Um, track seven. Maybe I'm just biased against that album position. Yeah, um, we've, we've talked many, many times about yeah. how track seven is the graveyard where you uh, you bury your weakest link, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I got that vibe, Doc, but you're not getting it. What are you hearing that I'm not? Um, I can't uh, I can't justify my exhortation, mate. I just really oh, enjoyed mate. listening to the track. Yeah, yeah, good tune. Here we go, Doc. We've still got three tracks to get through and, you know... We've all got bets to get into, haven't we? So here we go. Track eight, Twisted Urges. Deeply depraved lyrics, and then that fucking transition, Doc. Now we're talking. Just doing it for you a bit more. Oh, mate, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the lyrics are troubling, aren't they? But you know what? They're a thrash band, and they're allowed to talk about dark shit, aren't they, Doc? Well, it, aren't we in trouble if you've got any kind of an extreme metal band and their lyrics aren't troubling? Well, you know, you know what I mean? So, it, it, it's it, it's that thing, isn't it, where in modern society we are being programmed to rail against any kind of any, any representation of kind of nastiness and violence, specifically against women. Now, his creator, clear, I think by this point in the album, they've clearly demonstrated that they are left as fuck. You know, their hearts are in the right place. They, these are good guys. And they're telling this tale of this poor woman. And they're not, and they're not doing it to, you know, to titillate, to glorify. They're doing it because this is a real narrative of real women that this happens to every fucking day. And we should be allowed to talk about that stuff, Doc. Should we not? Um. So... There's there's a line on the liner notes to um, I think it's the Big Black Live album Pigpile, yeah. um, and it's one of my favourite things I've written. And it says, um, "Who the fuck ever told you you should look for social responsibility in a punk rock band?" <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but, but ironically, that is the very place you should look because often that's the place where the wisdom's coming from. Um, but it's definitions of social responsibility, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
Um, that I think the problem was worse in the late 1980s than it is now. Um, I think horrible, horrible, horrible things like the Daily Mail um, were paid far more attention, um, simply yeah. because newspapers were far more popular. Sure. Uh, I, I mean, uh, an editorial in the Daily Mail went a lot further to influencing public opinion. Um, and you just ended up with this very, very, very gruesome standard that the Daily Mail could advocate violence. Um, I mean, it could use, um, in my opinion, there's no doubt about it, when they were stoking up opinion against immigrants, foreigners, homosexuals, um, AIDS carriers with the gay plague, um, mm-hmm. In my opinion, they were using hate speech and they they, 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 they were inciting to violence. Mm-hmm. Um, but they airbrushed themselves by this relentless blue nosery that as, as soon as someone used a slightly dirty word or as soon as there was a booby in a Dennis Potter play or something like this, um, then they'd be talking about how something like that eroded the moral fabric of, um, of their beloved country. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it, um, it's just intellectual dishonesty, isn't it, Doc? It is, and it's also very, very far from being stupid or naive. <clears throat> it's done in a very, very calculated way to achieve a certain end. But, the, but that's why I say intellectual dishonesty. Um, I, I don't think it has anything to do with intellectualism at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in Aristotelian or Platonic terms, uh, it, it, it's not the practice of intellect. It's, it, it's, 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 it's sophistry. It's mm. doing stuff that looks like intellectualism, but isn't anything of the sort. Sure. It's like, like faux. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... <laughs> um, the ultimate example of it is... Um, so, I mean, point number one, physics is the study of things that can be measured. Um, things that you can't measure have got no, be- no business being discussed in the context of physics. Point number two, something happens that can't be explained. Um, for instance... A pious Roman Catholic earnestly thinks they've witnessed a miracle um, at a Virgin Mary site in southern France. Point number three, someone goes, can your science explain that then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sophistry. It's criticising something for not being able to do a thing that it's not even supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, thrash metal bands and punk bands um, are not supposed to make blandly reassuring statements that make you feel good about yourself and the society you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, punk rock bands and thrash bands, which, as we've discussed before, are a lot closer philosophically than anyone thinks they are. Um, they don't necessarily have to go out of their way to be offensive. Um, but if you find this stuff it was not everywhere, um, you have to go out of your way to find it. And if you found it offensive, what, offensive, well, then you should probably stop looking for it. Well, it's the great uh, Doug Stanhope. With it. You know, we've talked about him previously on this podcast. You know, he makes the, 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 the really, really salient point. He says, I've dabbled and delved into the darkest recesses of the internet looking at pornography and I've never ever seen child pornography um you know 
and he makes it like a really, really valid point. You know, and and and, and uh, you know, the Daily Mail, the Sun, these these kind of these kind of publications would ha- would have people believe that the internet is just rife and overrun with with kind of kiddie porn. But it's just not, is it? I've never seen pornography on the internet. Really? Well, because you have to look for it. You have to type in the thing you're looking for to find it, don't you? Um, but I mean, it, it, it's. I, I think this is what you're just getting at. If you if you believe the Daily Mail, you can't open a web browser. I know. Um, you know, without having a big, like a big fat cock s- slapped in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you know, without witnessing some sort of sexual atrocity that would make the Marquis de Sade go, oh, steady on a bit. Yeah, yeah, just blush. Make him blush. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, <laughs> maybe this is, maybe this makes me sound very naive. I've never gone looking for it, and hence I've never seen any. Yeah. And and, and thus, the internet works. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean... On the other hand, what I do have stuffed in my face all the time is adverts for products that I'm really, really not interested in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those those people manage to find a way of getting their content under my nose when I really, really, really don't want to see it. Bastards. Those bastards sitting there, lube. Doc, absolutely terrible. Here we go. <laughs> Twi- twisted urges. Here we go, Doc. Track eight called uh, "Twisted Urges." Uh, just another kind of straight ahead thrasher, any doc? No, nothing really complex going on there. No. Um, what What are the twisted urges that uh, that Millie is talking about? Uh, 
Well, did, did, I think it's um, taking a woman prisoner and then using her body to satiate your carnal desires, I believe, Doc. Yeah. Um, when Germans talk about twisted urges, I, I, tend know, to have, I know where you're going, Doc. I know where you're going, please. I tend to have high expectations of I mean, it's kind of almost disappointingly banal um, to realise that they're talking about something that nearly probably happens with depressing regularity. I know, I know. Yeah, that, I, don't, I don't think they. I, I don't think there's uh, any any feces involved here, Doc. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, you are aware, are you not, as a viewer of uh, a sometime viewer of Only Connect, of the delightful Victoria Coran Mitchell? Of course. Welcome to Only Connect. Um, long ago, Victoria, when she was just playing old Victoria Corum, um, wrote a book called Once More with Feeling about her and her, how her and her friend Charlie decided they were going to make a porn film. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, produce and direct one. Oh, yes. Um, and early on in the book, they're talking about sort of places they won't go. <laughs> um, and uh, she starts off by saying... Um, it's not because we have morals or anything like that, but there are some things we just don't find sexy. And, mm. <laughs> um, one of them is bodily functions. And because she's Victoria Coran Mitchell and she's lovely, um, she says, personally, we can't understand what's so obscene about a man lying on a plastic sheet while a beautiful lady wheeze on him. There is a line there, isn't there? Like, you know, like, like, weeing stuff. I mean, it's not for me, Doc, but I suppose, I suppose. I, but when you, when you get into the poo, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, 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 you've crossed the line, Doc. You've crossed the line for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get into track nine. Uh, this is Hidden Dictator. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. 
hang on, we've got um, no shape, no form, no brain, no mind, but the power to, to control all resistance, it's also might kind of be denied by the world that ignores its existence, older than time, stranger than life. It's Dr. Lee Questions, isn't it? Surely this is taught, this is a song about you, isn't it, Doc? It, it, well, it, it could be, couldn't it? Um, there's a couple of things I need you to put my mind at rest about. Mm. Um, I'm sure they're not, but if you wanted to, I'm sure you could make a case for this being about the international Jewish conspiracy, couldn't you? No shape, no form, no brain, no mind, but the particular resistance is also not going to be denied by the world. That it, I mean, I find it very, very, very unlikely that uber-left creator are like, like radical anti, anti-Semites. Um, I find it very hard to believe. Specifically well. considering the, the country they hail from. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... I suppose, and I, I, I don't actually think that's what the song is about. Mm-hmm. We'll get on to what I think the song is about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's worth chatting just for a second. We spent a lot of time in the context of the last song talking about um, you know how you shouldn't expect social social response. You shouldn't expect moral responsibility mm-hmm. um, from people who operate in uh, the more extreme genres or the, what 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 people are pleased to call exploitation genres. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is there such a thing as a for, are, are there such things as as, as forbidden subjects? I'm one of those people who gets queasy about rape scenes. I'm one of those people who gets queasy about Nazi exploitation movies. The the only film I have ever walked out of was Arreversable. And it was because of that prolonged rape scene. I I just couldn't, I couldn't cope up. That one in particular, um, it, it just it just wore out my patience, and yeah. uh, um, you and I have differences of opinion about uh, it, it, it. It's it's Gaspar Noé, am I right? It is, yeah, yeah. Um, you and I have differences, that, uh, and you, they're the same differences opinion uh, of opinion that you and I have about Takashi Miike as well. Yeah, um, I mean Takashi Miike in particular, I find performative and pretentious, and frankly, very very boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, whereas I would put Itchy the Killer in my top five films. What I mean, it's another discussion for another day, quite literally. Um, And 
it, it, it might seem a bit odd to the point of hypocrisy that um, I can sit here and say, well, you know, um, it, it's fine if you just want to write really, really obnoxious songs about acts of violence against people. Um, but you start fucking with the protos of the, 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 proto, the protocols of the elders of Zion. And, you know, no, no, so you don't get to do that. Sure. Um, I mean, is is there not such a thing? Is is provocation not just provocation? Is 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 there an end to it? Am I attempting to be some sort of arbiter here? Is that how it works? Are you a gatekeeper? It's all or nothing, isn't it, Doc? You know, I think it's all or nothing. I'm the same with freedom of freedom of speech. It's all or nothing. You either believe in it or you don't, and there's no fucking gatekeeping involved. That's it for me. Call me a simple man, Doc, but that is it for me. Um, it's it's a whole huge, messy question. Um, and it, it goes back to a lot of personal stuff that I think about. Um, I, I know many people, particularly in the more extreme versions of music and the more extreme versions of filmmaking are in favor of breaking down barriers and destroy. And I, things are a lot easier to destroy than they are to repair. Um, and I think before people go breaking taboos, they need to think very, very carefully about why those things are there in the first place. Sure. If it's because the daily mail tells you it's wrong, um, well, fuck that seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are there are taboos in society and there are taboos in culture some, some of which um, are there for good reasons um, at the risk of making a really stupidly obvious example um, sex with children mm-hmm. is a taboo and, and there are good reasons for that and there's nothing, there's, there's nothing admirable about or, or, or transgressive about claiming that you want to break that taboo. And it's, we'll get into this, I suspect, a lot when we start discussing Slayer's next album. Um, yeah. Because I think the next Slayer album hinges a lot on this. Like, what is it acceptable to say to very intentionally offend very specific groups of people? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I suppose what I'm doing is getting the ball rolling on that one here. For the record, I don't think this is a song about the protocols of the elders of Zion at all. Mm-hmm. Good. Good, Doc. And also for the record, Doc, I don't think having sex, sex with children is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just clear that up right now. Here we go, Doc. <laughs>
go. That's track nine, uh, Hidden Dictator. Um, and just to reiterate, I don't want to have sex with children. I'm going to say that every 30 minutes until everybody <laughs> believes me. <laughs> Doc- What's the song about? <laughs> What's the song what, about? What, what, do we make, what do we make of that? Um, I'm looking at the lyrics. I don't really know. I think all the other tracks, I kind of get a vibe of, of, of what's going on. Um, I think it's a real kind of epic, kind of blue sky thinking kind of thought here of some kind of like massive galactic or, or even like super galactic entity that's controlling everything. It's not God. It's something kind of much more um, mundane than that, I suppose. Intangible. Could it be? Could, could, could it be the same as the entity that rules the Empire of the Sands, mate? Well, well oh, 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 hang on. That, that's a callback to uh, our last mystery album. Um, yes, it is. Episode of the Nocturnus, the key. So, yeah, you know, maybe it's an, maybe not a relative, but maybe some kind of like business affiliate of the, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, um, if you remember, um, in that song, uh, Nocturnus attempt to make us shudder with horror, um, all of the terrible things that this maleficent entity gets up to such as constructing radar dishes and, right. searching, and searching for useful minerals <laughs> i mean our guy here is, is, is much more ambitious i would say yes <laughs> yeah oh yeah. definitely yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's he's um <laughs> he's got ambitions sort of far more sinister than uh, as, as far as i can see constructing iceland <laughs> <laughs> doc we've got we've got uh, one more track to go Get this, get get this episode done and dusted. It's called Mental Slavery, and, and and just for the record, I don't want to have sex with children. Here we go, Mental Slavery, track ten. Off we go. <laughs> Thank you. 
last track on the album, Doc? Is it is it grabbing you? I can't honestly say it is. No. It's no. um I need to hear it to the end because it, it's it's been such a good album. I, I really don't want it just to run out of steam like that. Mm, mm. I've I've always considered this track to be the like the weak point. I, I don't really understand why they why they didn't drop this in like track seven or eight and just switch it around. I've al- I've always thought that they they just kind of got the order of the album wrong, Doc. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> plodding isn't it it's just all a bit kind of plodding and ordinary and there's nothing really kind of grabbing you by the ball no i mean it, it's i don't know about getting it in the wrong order i, I don't know why they just didn't leave this turkey off because i mean it, it, it's <laughs> turkey god <up>. yeah <laughs> no it, it's a, it's a disappointing way to finish a good album isn't it yeah 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 maybe maybe something crazy happens in in, in the last two minutes but I think so. That's a fucking riff, though, Doc. That's a good riff. That's a riff. Thank you. 
good ending. It's a good ending. It's a good ending, but 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 it clearly. It, it, hang on. Oh oh my god! It's going back to the start. Hang on. But it it, it, it clearly infers that that track was deliberately written as the last track, and therefore yeah. do better, guys. Yeah, and they, they they just couldn't pull off a very good beginning to the to match the good ending. The last two um, minutes was great, wasn't it? Yes. You know, the, the first it's three not, minutes was quite boring. It's not going to turn me off the the album. Not even close. It's it's yeah. it's, it's a great album. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, good, good. So as a kind of souls doc, would it? You know, obviously you weren't. Utterly au fait with it before we started because you, you know, you didn't recognize it immediately like you should have done, Doc, as a thrash fan. Um, I still, we've come to the end of the album and I, I'm, I'm convinced I've never heard it before. There we go, Doc. Well, fair enough, you know, that's it. There's no crime. Um, and, and, and overall feelings, Doc, what's going on? It's a great album. I mean, it's. It's given me some pause, to, some, some, some pause for thought, really. Um, I've got massive amounts of affection for Crater. <clears throat> um, like you, I admire them for their consistency. Mm. Um, I admire them for never losing... I, I, I admire them for, like, never losing the plot and keeping to um, the higher, narrow path of Thrash. Even the mighty Slayer... Fall off the fucking wagon for a couple of albums, Doc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, 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 which we will discover in the next uh, few months. I believe it, because um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're we're getting to the perilous times of the nineteen nineties soon. Well, I think you're okay, Doc, for the next ten weeks. Sure. Then we're going to do, like you know, like an overview, cover special, mystery album, your turn. You've got 13 weeks until we teeter into kind of new metal inflected slayer. So this is a question that I want to think about going forward almost from now. Yeah. What do you do when you're a band that's been used to being at the outer limits or the cutting edge for a certain amount of time and then suddenly you're not? Well, I think you keep doing the same thing because fashions come and go, but fucking... There's a term in football, you know, let me get it right. Um, Form is temporary, class is permanent. Yeah. So you just keep Um, doing the same fucking thing. This is what we're good at. This is why people like us. Just keep bolt throw. Just look at fucking bolt throw. Just just, just keep fucking ploughing the same furrow, basically. Don't try and keep up with the fucking Joneses. Don't try and keep up with the whippersnappers. Because you're just going to look, you're just going to look silly. I have managed to uh, not talk about Miles Davis for a couple of weeks, um, and I'm going to now because if you can pull it off, I think this is what you do. Um, when you're threatening to look outdated or when you're threatening to look like you're lagging behind the cutting edge, you then do a double leap and you take the cutting edge back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I think if you can do that, that's the mark of a true visionary and a true, and, 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 and a true genius. And it's well, very, very, very rare for it to actually happen. Oh, sorry, Doc. Yeah, I, I think that about somebody like Madonna. Um, yes. 
you know, from time to time, you know, she, you know, she became outdated. And then what did she do? She put out, she put out a song that just informed the rest of fucking pop world how to behave for the next five years. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I mean? very, very, very occasionally you, you'll, you'll get people who can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to set you a, a little thought experiment now. Go on, um, see if you can see if you can think of a band who've done that in the context of metal. Yeah, sure. Okay. Like redefine the genre. Multiple times. More than once. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Doc. Yeah. Yeah. Leave that with me. Leave that with me. I'm thinking. Um... Oh, no, leave it with me, Doc. Leave it with me. I've, yeah. I've, I've had too much Budweiser to give you a sensible answer. So, in the end, what I really admire, um, what I really admire Creator for um, is, is, is just sticking to that high, narrow, windswept mountain path, mm-hmm. um, particularly sort of at the start of the 90s. When this album came out, I think there's a case to be made for the fact that Thrash was a candidate for still being at the cutting edge and still being one of men still being at the outer limits of extremity yeah yeah of what music was at that point um i know you had death metal already and then you had other genres that were pushing into different kinds of extremity but in terms of speed and aggression i think thrash could still make a reasonable case that it was the most extreme music there mm-hmm. um a creator are never going to be but sad to say, I, I don't think they're ever going to be even in my top five metal bands. They might be my second favourite thrash band, but, is, but thrash isn't by itself a genre of metal that I, I, I enjoy or I, I, I favour very much. And it's there. I know this is a terrible thing to say. Kind of creator are the amiable, plain, good natured thrash band that you can always go back to and you know there'll always be um, a hug and a hot meal, don't you? Yeah, Doc, I hear what you're saying. I don't agree with you, you know, but but but, but I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I think I, I think they were and, and in fact still are cutting edge. I, I, I think they're absolute like, dogged determination to stick to their fucking principles. That being said, though, they did have like a, a, a dodgy two or three album period. Um, post Fear Factory, I think they released an album that sounded suspiciously industrial. Um, and then they did, after that one, I can't remember what that album's called, but after that one, they did one that was a bit, kind of a bit kind of grungy. The thing is, though, uh, yeah. I mean, there's... There's almost no one who who who, who didn't cave in um, at some point. I mean, fucking the sternest old Puritans of them all, fucking Napalm Death, did a suspiciously industrial sounding record, didn't they? Right, yeah, and a Morbid Angel as well with the uh, formulas fail to the flesh. Yeah. 
Doc, I've really enjoyed listening to this album with you. Um, we're now moving into kind of uncharted territories almost for you. Not quite, but almost. Almost. Um, so the next episode will be um, Divine Intervention, track one, which is Killing Fields. Or Killing Field, I think, not Field. Killing Field. To make the, di- the distinction, I think, between the shit in Cambodia and a sniper scope. I think that S makes a difference, doesn't it, Doc? Definitely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you going to join me? Of course I am. I won't miss it for the world. I'll see you then, Princess. Take care. Thank you, mate.